Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Bat Banter. It's season 3, episode 7, it's WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap. Now if you haven't already, do not forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating and leave a review on your favourite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram. So not too many teams hitting the pitch uh, or well, wherever they're sort of playing across this week, uh, but we'll recap what we've got and we'll, of course, keep you in the loop and post it as we always do. And uh, we're going to hit the pitch first. Uh, and let's talk a little bit of purple action, a little bit of Perth glory. And of course, we're talking about the Perth glory women. A few minutes and see how she feels. Well, she may get tested out here. Lowry on to Hinson and scores for Perth glory. She takes advantage of an injured Keely Richards and grabs her third of the season in just four matches. And that's a beautiful turn onto her left foot. She doesn't even have to look up. She knows where the goal is and that is tucked away so neatly at the near post. And it's Perth and Canberra 1-1. There were some question marks over the Canberra goal. And now it's Lisa Devanna going one-on-one. And she can't beat Richards this time, who is seriously struggling. The test now for Richards. It's Lowry bending it in. And there's real problems for Canberra. So going into the game, they actually hadn't beaten the Reds since January 2016 on home soil, or on WA, or in WA. And whilst last year, when when all their clashes were away or either neutral, because they only played one game at home, they shared a win apiece, Perth did and do enjoy a 13-7 head-to-head tally. However, this trend did not continue, unfortunately, as the Glory went down 1-0 in their first home game of the season. It was a 19th minute conceding that was the only goal scored. And despite uh, the second half efforts from Hannah Lowry, Sierra Hinson and Riley Bazin getting close, they just couldn't finish and get the equaliser that they needed. To be honest as well, it actually could have been down 2 or even 3-0 in that first half, with the Reds having serious chances mainly due to Perth's inability to clear the ball away from danger and away from the goalkeeper, who single-handedly kept them in the game. But it was a tale of two halves, as the Perth Glory were 4-12 to 12 goal attempts and 1-5 to five shots on goals in the first half, compared to the second half where they had 11-4 to four goal attempts, 7 more, and 5-2 to two shots on goal. So it certainly was uh, a tale of two halves and uh, a game of two halves as well, well, as it normally is uh, most of the time. Uh, but as the game progressed, though, it actually ended up being, right at the very end, uh, the stats, uh, there was one difference in goal attempts, one difference also in the shots on goal, and... However, Perth only received one corner kick to Adelaide 6. So whilst it was evenly matched in many different aspects, as spoken above, it was how each team adapted to the game, with Adelaide's quick start, for the most part, being the key, and uh, just being able to finish, really. Uh, The stars of the show, however, were probably the goalkeepers. Uh, They had six saves apiece. So well played to both both goalkeepers from both teams for keeping their teams in the game for as long as they did. Uh, It is, of of course, early in the season, but they're sitting 8th at the moment ahead of a Saturday encounter against Newcastle. So two games in, one draw away, and uh, one loss at home. Of course, you would have loved to have uh, got the chocolates there, and they were in it for many pace uh, for a lot of that game, but they just weren't able to finish, and I'm sure they're still tidying and working on those combinations and uh, running patterns and all that kind of jazz, but 
they'll get there in due course. Uh, I think this is a really, really good squad that can, you know, mix it up with a lot of the best teams in the competition. I still haven't obviously seen anywhere near close to all of them yet. Uh, and it's going to be another big challenge heading to Newcastle on the weekend. But uh, we look forward to touching base with them next week. And hopefully we're talking about three points that they're getting uh, in the season. But for now, let's leave the pitch, at least the soccer pitch, and let's go on to the cricket pitch with a smaller ball. Let's talk a little bit of Western Warriors. And WA after a long wait, 23 years of wait, have won the Sheffield Shield, and that's what it means. With Sean Marsh, the veteran, in the middle of all of that, they've produced Australian player after Australian player. But this domestic season, they are kings across all formats. Yeah, well done, Western Australia. As you said, Adam, they've been the best team. So going in into Australia the game year, that they had against New South Wales, uh, the Sheffield Shield game uh, that started on Tuesday, they actually hadn't won at the SCG in 16 years, but that did not stop them. They got another victory in the arena this time. They uh, wrapped it up in three days as well, where the ball dominated, and they're now still undefeated for the season. Uh, they won by 133 runs with the second innings of both teams cancelling ca each other out, essentially. And it coming down to the 233 by the Warriors, up against 93 from the Blues. Those two first runnings innings, that big advantage that they took over New South Wales, it was just too much to overcome. Other ball is dominated on a spinning and seeming SCG surface. And the target set of 268 uh, was uh, just just a little bit uh, a little bit too far, a little uh, bit of a mountain, bit too bit too uh, tall to climb. Uh, with the cracks lengthening on the lovely wicket. Uh, they went into lunch on day three, six for 85, and in. And we're talking about New South Wales, of course. And it was probably just going to be too much for them. So from the second innings bowling tallies, the highlights were Corey Rochicioli and David Mooney. Uh, Corey had 4 for 68 and David had 3 for 28 respectively. For Corey, this was on the back of 4 for 31 uh, with a 1.9 for economy rate in the first innings. Although Matt Kelly, he had 3 for 9 from his 7 overs at 1.29 economy rate, which is just remarkable. And despite being 4 for 11, the Warriors at one stage in their second innings, the Charlie Stobo, uh, who had his debut as well, uh, who also used to play for New South Wales. He's a mature age pickup that they got last season. Uh, the Charlie Stobo and Darcy Short seventh wicket partnership of 50 runs just sort of pushed them along to increase their overall lead and gave them the surplus to really attack from a bowling perspective as, and, as they did. And we know how the story unfolded from there. Now back to the first innings. And the top scorer was Sam Fanning with 61 and a nice opening stand of 93 from... Uh, Sam Whiteman and Cameron Bancroft. Now, they still sit top with 31.85 points, two outright wins uh, atop from anyone else, and 11.43 points clear of second. So they're rocking and roll. They're just, uh, as, as we normally say about the Warriors, they are the gold standard in many ways so far for the Sheffield Shield competition and, of course, the Marsh One Day Cup as well. Uh, they're just marching along. Uh, they've got depth coming out of their absolute ears in regards to bowling stocks. Uh, with many of their main bowlers, uh, Joel Paris, uh, Jai Richardson, just to name a few. 
set to come back into the mix, uh, which would be unlucky for players like uh, Matt Kelly, uh, even Charlie Stobo as well, who may have to make way, and of course David Moody too. So we'll see how that all unfolds in regards to selection for their next outing, which, uh, which I think I've got one more uh, before they take a break uh, for the... Of course, the Big Bash League, which is coming up mid-December, so we're only about a couple of weeks away from that uh, that being upon us. But we'll leave it for now from the Warriors, and let's move to the ballpark. Let's talk a little bit of Perth Heat. Earlier to ooh, want to visit, that one is clocked by Caminero. Wow. Kiss it goodbye. Junior Caminero responds with a lead-off home run in the second. We are all tied up. That was an absolute shot out to left center field. All right, let's take our way all the way back to the first game of the series uh, that they had up against Geelong Korea. And they won, and this was a way they won 10-6. to uh, For the most part, the win came on the back of a scintillating 6-0 start in the first. Uh, we're from the second innings, actually lost 4-6, to but the damage was done early, and there was no recovery after that. Uh, there were five big bombs from the Heat in that game with a three-run homer from both star signings Josh Reddick and Jake Bowie, with two home runs to Tim Kennelly and also one to Bowie too. After the second outing, they couldn't actually keep the momentum going, uh, falling 3-6. to six. And whilst they were only down 1-2 going into the third innings, they conceded 4-2 in innings 4, 6 and 7. Head to game 3 and it was a nice 7-0 win to rebound from the game 2 loss. Uh, catcher Alex Hall, he was outstanding uh, behind the plate. And with a bat, just brilliant, with two amazing pickoffs in the fifth before his chopper got the runs going into the sixth with all seven runs following. And then there's the game, ladies and gentlemen. Warwick Sopold, he was also massive, showing his big league striking class where from his seven innings, he had three strikeouts. And in the final game, they triumphed 12 to 8, where Junior Caminera, he was a star of the show, going 4 for 5 at bats, 6 RBIs, and 2 big home runs. Now, between the 7th and the 9th innings, it was actually 4 all. But uh, all the damage was done. In the 3rd, they got 5 to 0 runs in, and that sort of put the big buffer between the two teams. That just couldn't be eroded. As a result, they jumped up to equal second with Adelaide, head of, head of a four-game home series with third-place Auckland Tuatara, with games on Friday night, a doubleheader on Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon, as is normally the schedule that uh, that they have at the Empire Ballpark. So get down there, Perth Heat fans. Uh, a really, really uh, resounding bounce back uh, from, uh, of course, the previous result that they had uh, only a week ago. So well played. Uh, good job. They jump back up to equal second, uh, commanding victories, to be honest, and they're in a really good spot. And Junior Caminero seems to be one of the picks of the season. Uh, the, uh, the the OG, uh, one of the originals, and one of the goats, Tim Kennelly, he is having a terrific season as well. And, of course, uh, the the champion, uh, Josh Reddick, uh, the NBL superstar, he is also having a terrific start. So they're on the right track. And, again, just get down to the ballpark, Get your tickets, and I will, of course, post that, post all the information about that and where you can get your tickets uh, later on in the week when we do our preview. But we'll leave it there for the Perth Heat. Let's now talk a little bit of Perth Wildcats. Listen to the hiss, listen to the growl. Perth Wildcats are on the prowl. Can you feel the heat? Listen to their feet. Tearing up the cotton, building up the heat. Here we come. Oh, no. Here we come. Oh, no. Here we come. 
Well, it was a case of one step forward and two steps back, unfortunately, for the Perth Wildcats. Another opportunity presented itself to keep their momentum going and play an Adelaide team that's been rebuilding after the sacking of Craig Randall, although admittedly playing much better without him. The Perth Wildcats, they lost 82-96, to and even in the final term being down by as much as 19 points. They've now lost four of their seven games at home. It's just not good enough. And they conceded 60 of their 96 points in the paint. You just can't have that happen, and it's a trend. As for their last five games, they've conceded 220 points and only scored 150 points of their own, relying heavily on the three-point shot. And it's for mine, it's simply not sustainable. Adelaide got what they wanted from an offensive point of view, and they had 50 points on the board two minutes before half-time. It's just not going to serve you well. The breakdown from the game, however, was this, and the key stat was only them shooting at 41% up against Adelaide's 55%, no doubt due to a high percentage of those shots being in the paint. And yet again, losing the rebounds minus 11. That's a smashing. Uh, in fact, they had... Uh, I think they almost doubled the amount of defensive rebounds uh, Adelaide had over Perth. The positive was that they had plus 15 bench points, but this time they actually needed more from their starters. Uh, the highest scorer was Bryce Cotton with 17 points, whilst Tashawn Thomas had 8 points, 6 rebounds and 4 assists. Nice little stat line, but he's missing the easy ones under the bucket, under the bucket and he's not scoring threat but needs to be. Luke Travers, he's gone missing. Uh, all, all the hype about him coming from Cleveland after being picked up with pick 56 or whatever it was. Uh, he's nowhere. They need more from him. Corey Webster was actually quite solid, to be honest. So um, for that game, I can't give him a clip as much as I'd like him to. Uh, Brady Manick was okay, but he's got to be better. Uh, we have to have the Brady that we saw the last two games. He, he, he's got to hit those shots. He's a sharpshooter. That's what they got him in for. He's got to start doing it more. As a result of the loss, it's left them sitting 7th, but only one win out of 5th. So they're still in a position where they can salvage a season. However, this is my summary, and it's not a bat blast, but it's pretty close to it. They're soft. They don't have an underbelly. There's no tough grit and grind that's been renowned with Perth Wildcats teams. They just can't dent the opposition from scoring. Uh, they can't stop them from... They can't stop them from, yeah, as I said, scoring, accumulating. And they're just not hunting rebounds. And they're getting close. The Perth Wildcats, this is like the the six, seven, however many championships they've won. They're almost getting close to becoming irrelevant. They're part of the all-surrounds. The teams that go, oh, I wonder whether they're going to be in the mix for finals. But they're running out of time to get their house in order. And with so many home games having come and gone, with little to nothing to show from it, as we said, They've only won, uh, sorry, they've lost four of their last seven games at home. Like, you can't afford to lose gold, which is home games. Like, you've got to be banking them. They should have been 6-1, and 5-2 and two at the worst, not three, th uh, three wins and four losses. And now, they have to go on the road. They play Brisbane away, who are reeling after a coach change mid-season. Not even mid-season, third of the way through, through this season. And even though they got, they got whacked by New Zealand, Aaron Baines wasn't playing, Tyler Johnson wasn't playing, they're going to be back and they're going to be breathing fire. And then you face the hottest team in the competition, well, pretty close to it in my opinion, in New Zealand on Saturday. And if they go 0-2, this season could well and truly be done. They in some serious strife, strife here. I'm really worried about them. Uh, the season could well and 
well and truly be over for the Perth Wildcats if they go zero and two and don't even show you know any fighter glimpses. And it's the thing that I said all of last season. I've said a lot of this season. They are missing a guy who is big but who's grunty. Yeah, that's right, grunty. But also just gets your rebounds. Like they have gone away from their DNA of recruiting players in that four five spot who are just hard guys to play out play against. They'll get your offensive rebounds, which gives you second chance points, which means you make the opposition pay. But hey, I'll leave it there. Let's see what they can do in the upcoming game against Thursday in Brisbane and then Saturday in New Zealand. So um, it doesn't get much tougher than uh, New Zealand in New Zealand now, but uh, it certainly won't be a dream or a breeze when they get to Brisbane first. One game at a time. Let's see what they do against the Bullets. Let's leave it there for the Perth Wildcats. All right, that's it. We're done. We're dusted. That is the end of the WA Domestic Sports Weekly Wrap of Season 3, Episode 7. Thank you so much. It's been a privilege for you listening to us. And if you haven't already, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Instagram. So we're looking forward to seeing if the Perth Wildcats can bounce back. They've got a tough doubleheader away this weekend. Uh, the Perth Heat, they got back on track themselves. They had a great 3-1 win up against Geelong Korea. Uh, the Western Warriors, they're just marching along, rolling in the competition, just dominating anything in sight. They're playing some terrific cricket. And the Glory Women, very, very early on in their season. But uh, I'm quite bullish about them. I think they've got a good squad that can really take it up to many teams. And on their given day, uh, they can definitely get the W and get the chocolates. But we'll leave it there. And as I said, thank you so much for listening. And we'll look forward to touching base with all of our WA teams on the domestic sport scene. Adam back, yours true. I'm out for now.